Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Canada has signed off on the final contract to buy uh, F-35 jet fighters to replace the Air Force's aging CF-18s. Here's Defence Minister Anita Nunn from earlier today. Today, I am announcing that Canada is acquiring a new fleet of 88 state-of-the-art F-35 fighter jets through an agreement that we have finalized with the United States government and Lockheed Martin with Pratt & Whitney. This investment is estimated at $19 billion, making it the largest investment in our Royal Canadian Air Force in 30 years. Now, the final agreement for 88 warplanes, as uh, Defence Minister Nunn said, and, uh, involves the Canadian U.S. governments and the jets manufacturer. Uh, you won't see first delivery until 2026, and the first uh, F-35 squadrons will not be operational until 2029. Joining us now is Richard Shimuka. He is a senior fellow at McDonald laurier Institute, specializing in uh, strategic studies, comparative defence management approaches, and foreign policy. Mr. Shimuka, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. How significant is this decision? It's been a long time coming. Uh, I mean, the first announced uh, purchase of the F-35 was about 13 years ago. Uh, that was under the Conservative government, out of Steve Harper. There was a second one in, that never actually got announced. That was in 2014, and now we are here today. So I, it's been a long time coming. It's desperately needed by the Air Force, uh, given just how old our CF-18s are and just how bad the pilot uh, retention crisis is. So it's a pretty significant one. Uh, You mentioned uh, the first announcement of this plan, as you said, was in the summer of 2010 under then Prime Minister Stephen Harper. And yes, it was a Conservative government. Why has it taken us 13 years to get to this point? Is it it politics? Is it just the cumbersome nature of uh, procurement? Why has it taken so long in your mind? It's Politics definitely was probably one of the key drivers. Uh, Our procurement system kind of follows a bit how the politicians, uh, sort of what way the politicians blow. And so the facts of the program really haven't changed. The price that we're going to get at the end of the, by 2032, is basically going to be the same as what, roughly the same, I should say, what was uh, sort of forecast by Department of National Defense in 2010. But rather, we've really had a political kind of climate that just wasn't amenable to understand those costs. So you had a lot of sort of information, misinformation, excuse me, thrown around after the initial uh, purchase or attempt to purchase in 2010. And then in 2015, you had uh, then candidate, sorry, 2014, then candidate just you know, said he would never buy the aircraft. And so the process has sort of taken over seven years and to unwind. And a large portion of that can be blanked fault. Um, there has been some talk that uh, the government was trying to save money so could they could, you could use some of that money they save uh, and, and really focus it more towards the Navy. Think about uh, global warming. Think about um, uh, the Northwest Passage uh, in an era of global warming with China and Russia and even the United States having greater interest in that area. Do you worry that the money that we are spending now may also impact 
our Navy, because that's going to play a very significant role in the decades ahead when it comes to Canada's independence, our sovereignty. Is there a cash crunch coming uh, when we've got two major sort of, um, you know, budgetary needs? One is, of course, the Air Force and this announcement today, and probably significant investment that we required for our Navy as well. Of the two programs, the, the Navy the Navy's surface combatant program is actually quite quite a bit larger. Uh, Department of National Defense is looking at over sixty billion dollars, you know, versus eighteen that was announced uh, today. So that's that's by far the sort of larger program. I think one part of the reality is that Canada is really underinvested in defense. Like even compared to any of our allies, we're actually one of the lowest spenders on defense. And what has happened is we've kind of delayed or keep pushing back major procurement replacement programs, specifically the CF eighteen, for so long that we can't really ignore not replacing them, uh, the reality of the, with fighters is that the F-35 was the cheapest option. And that was known as far back as 2010, which is why part of the reason why the Stephen Harper government had actually sold first, because they were told that it's significantly cheaper that you can't actually run a competition at that time. And that reality kind of uh, continued to exist even through the, through the Trudeau Liberal uh, procurement uh, program. And that's what's kind of shaken out of this, this competition is that this was the cheapest option if you're going to have a fighter force this is probably the way you're going to do it now you have uh, you know significant geopolitical disruption presently uh, you've got um, the the war in ukraine uh, you've got a much more um, say aggressive policies towards russia but also through china an evolving uh, world we're seeing the rise of asia as well you know one could argue that we've relied too long for the relied too long for too long on the United States and particularly the security sphere that it provides our country, uh, and we've always sort of been dragged kicking and screaming to actually spend money on our defense number one and more importantly our international obligations. Somewhere along the way, we do have to have a strong military. Is that culture still prevalent to a certain degree in regards to well, you know, we won't say it, but the U.S. provides us that security sphere that we don't have to spend as much on military than than we probably should. You hear that argument a lot, and I think that people do believe that. That's not, you know, that's not out there. I think what the other thing is that, but people also think that we have to defend our country at the same time. I think what's the issue is that there's no real easy kind of goalposts or benchmarks that can say, well, this is enough to spend, right? Mm-hmm. People in the military will actually can kind of point that out, right? They can say, well, you know, if you want to provide, for example, we provide uh, a constant rotation every year of fighters to Eastern Europe to protect uh, airspace in Romania. We did up until this year. Well, now we can't because we don't have the fighters anymore and the pilots to man those fighters to go and do that rotation. So we're actually not going to be able to do it for the next 10 years. Those kind of benchmarks aren't really well understood by Canadians. And I think Canadians think that we should do it. We should be you know, a good, upstanding citizen, a world citizen to actually you know, provide, pull our fair share among our allies. But they don't understand, I guess, what are the benchmarks. And so that, I think, is kind of the issue there. It's, it's not a reluctance to it. It's a lack of sort of way to understand the issue or a way to understand what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, moving forward, you were talking about the spending on, on the Navy. Do you think that over the next five, ten years, we're heading into a much different world? Of course, it's always ever-evolving and changing. The threats are always going to be there. Are we still going to be a country that still muddles through a little bit in regards to you know, purchasing and spending the dollars that are required? Or do you think we are getting to a point where we finally realize, perhaps our political class realize, we need to make much more, we need faster decisions, we need decisions that are, uh, uh, you know, recognize our international obligation and that we've got to actually spend dollars 
to protect ourselves and to protect our allies as well? I think there's a bit of a realization. I think if you look at a couple moves right now that are going on, one is that we need a new maritime patrol aircraft. And there's some reports that suggest that Canada may actually purchase a Boeing product called the PA to replace our existing Aurora, mm-hmm. who are older than our CF-18. And that would be through a sole source acquisition, which has been much maligned. But reality is that if we want to get a real capability, we would probably have to go with this P-8. So I think there's an understanding in Canada that uh, among the political class that this needs to be done quicker. I think there's also been, if you talk to a lot of American officials, they're kind of starting to see Canada as a bit of a freeloader. And I think that's starting to irk a lot of people within Defense Department and within Congress that, you aren't doing enough anymore. They, they thought that they didn't think that 10 years ago after Afghanistan, but now they're starting to appreciate that. And that affects us in trade negotiations and border security sort of stuff. So I think there's a bit of realization we're kind of being drag kicking and screaming also by the reality of Ukraine and whatnot. So I think there is that whether it's going to translate into actual tangible improvements, tough to say it's a little early uh, at this point to, to know. Well, it's a it's a fascinating uh, issue and an important announcement today, that's for sure. Richard, thank you so much for your time. Really imp- uh, enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for having me.